Hey, good morning. Welcome to Church in the Mall. Welcome home. Thanks for tuning in online. We are currently in chapter three of the book of Acts, and we're going to be looking at three and four. Uh, three today, four in the midweek video that'll come out. But if you have your Bibles, um, I want you to turn actually to John chapter 10. So go ahead and flip there, and then uh, we're going to start our time in God's Word there. Now, behind me here is a picture of the temple and what it would have looked like in Jesus's day. This is the second temple, which means this is Herod's temple. And the reason I have this with me today is to show you where we're going to be in proximity of a space. I don't know if you can see back behind this temple part, but all the way around it, making a giant square, is this portico or porch. And the different areas are broken up into significance. The one that's right here in front of the temple, as if you're facing it, is called Solomon's Porch. And that's a very important phrase that we're going to come across today in our our readings. It's where people would gather because it represented the old temple. It's one of the only places left in that whole area that was original to the original temple. And so it had significance to the people. And as they would gather there, there was often rabbis to teach and equip people. And we often find Jesus and his disciples there and in the New Testament, especially in Acts, both in chapter 3 and in chapter 5, we're going to find that the disciples and those that are new in the faith are going to gather there daily, and they're going to talk about their faith and what God is doing in their lives. But let's start in John chapter 10. Now, in this scene, Jesus is talking to not only his disciples and those gathered around him, but also the Pharisees, Sadducees, keepers of the law. And as he's talking to them, he's using this beautiful metaphor. He's calling himself the shepherd and anyone who follows him, his sheep. Now, this is such a strange idea, except for the idea of a shepherd. And I want to share a story with you that helps to illustrate just how beautiful this is and why Jesus chose this metaphor. When I was a youth minister, we got an opportunity to go to a farm. And the students and I tried to wrangle all these sheep into the sheep pen. And we had no luck whatsoever. The sheep ran in every direction possible and we couldn't do it. But when the shepherd came, this lady who owned the sheep, all she did is call out to them. And she began singing this little song and all the sheep lined up behind her and followed her right into the sheep pen. In other words, the sheep know the shepherd's voice. And as Jesus talks about that in chapter 10, he says, anyone that comes into the pen that has to sneak over the wall or break in probably doesn't belong there. But the shepherd who walks openly through the open door, the one that everybody's been watching for and longing for, is welcomed in and the sheep known by his voice. Well, jumping ahead in chapter 10, over to verse 22, we find that Jesus is now in this specific area in the temple courts. Out here is the court of Gentiles, and then just beyond it out here, looks very similar to this, is Solomon's porch. And he's walking there in the late time of December. This is a time where Jewish festival of dedication is going on in the background. And as that's going on, um, we might think of it today as the festival of Hanukkah. In fact, that's what it'll transition into in years to come. But as Jesus is walking these courts and reminiscing about the old temple and the promises of God given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he would be their God and they would be their people, that the Israelites would all be gathered together to form this incredible nation, this family of God, to then go forth and invite all the nations of the world back to God. That everybody would look at the Israelites and see God's dwelling among his people and know that that is the God and ultimate ruler of the universe. And so the next scene that unfolds begins in chapter 10, 22 of John. 
Then came the Feast of Dedications at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple area walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews gathered around him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, then tell us plainly. Now, Jesus looks at me and says, Guys, I've already shown you all the miracles that fulfill the Old Testament promises about who the Messiah will be. I've done them in the name of the Father, and my sheep will know my voice. The very fact that you don't know my voice tells me that you're not my sheep. Well, this infuriates these people. And so they pick up stones and they go to stone him. And Jesus uh, alludes and walks away. Now, the reason I brought that up is because we're now going to jump to Acts chapter 3. And if we were to look at the Torah, there are 613 commandments. That's a lot of commandments. And the Jewish people had a hard time keeping them straight and knowing what exactly to do. In fact, most uh, keepers of the law would say it's impossible to know without some form of interpretation. And so the oral law, uh, the Mishnah, begins to come into form and they write it down. The oral law is how we translate or understand how to live our lives under these 613 commandments or rules from God. Well, as the Jews get shifted around this world and taken captive, they form a group in Babylon. And hundreds of years later, the Babylonian Jews come up with the definitive answer for how to explain these rules called the Talmud. Now, in the Mishnah and the Talmud, we can read about what's going on in the temple and how it was designed. And in particular, we're going to be looking at the Nikon gate, which is most likely this gate right here. Now, it could also be this gate, but most likely it's this gate. And in the Mishnah, it actually talks about something really specific. It talks about this beautiful gate of bronze that leads out from the Gentile court into the court of women. Now, that's a very deceiving name because men and women gathered in that court. But then only Jews could come in here. The Gentiles or people from other nations that became Jew could be out here. But if they were clean, ceremonial clean, they could then enter in through this gate and be into the court of the Israelites, which is where the priests were doing sacrifices. And in the book of Acts chapter 3, in our story today, you're going to find that it's 3 in the afternoon. They would offer sacrifices at 9 a.m. and then at 3. And so Peter and John are headed to the temple in order to be a part of the worship and the ceremony and to pray to God. Now, as they enter, they're going to enter through this gate called the Gate Beautiful. Now, the reason it's called Gate Beautiful is it's the only gate that's made out of Corinthian bronze. And so it would just really shine and shimmer and begin to show that beautiful patina. And there's a whole story about where that gate came, but a lot of people are in disagreement about how that story came to be. But for our purposes, this is where we're going to be today. So Acts chapter 3 begins in that same place Jesus was in John. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate beautiful, where he was put there every day to beg from those coming into the temple courts. Now, this makes perfect sense. If you read on in this particular chapter, this man is 40 years old. So for the majority of his life, at least 30 plus years, he has been sitting outside the gate beautiful collecting alms or, or money from the people that come into worship. And he's playing on the Jewish piety of, if I give to the poor, I can earn a better place in heaven. And people thought that if they gave to the poor, that secured them a better standing before God. And so this man is living off the grace given to him by other people through money. Now, on this particular day, Jesus 
or I'm sorry, Peter and John are coming up and they're going to interact with this man. Now, everybody has seen this man for years and they know him well. Peter and John probably knew him well. It says in verse 3, when they saw him about to enter, they, this man asked Peter and John for money. Now, Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and then Peter said, look at us. And so the man gave them all his attention or his full attention, as if to receive something back from them. Then Peter said, look at us. And the man gave him his attention and expecting to get something from them, Peter said, listen, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple court. So he's entering through this gate, jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to be begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. They were totally astonished. Now, when we look at Leviticus chapter 21, there are some strict rules laid out for the holiness of God and the holiness of God's servants, the priests. If anyone has any defect whatsoever, they're not permitted to serve God and be in the presence of God. Now they can eat the bread and the altar and they can be taken care of, but they can't serve God in that way. That same idea was then cast onto the sacrifice being without blemish. In fact, there's a man named John E. Hartley who wrote a commentary, um, world book commentary on Leviticus. And he said this, any bodily defect renders a person imperfect, unfit to function as a priest. The wholeness, just like the wholeness of an animal that is acceptable in a sacrifice to God, corresponds to and bears witness to the holiness of that same God. So we're talking about a holy God who is set apart from all his creation. Then selecting a group of people to be set apart for his purpose and service. And then a sacrifice that too is set apart for his purpose and holy just like God is holy. Now, the problem here is that this often got translated into an idea in the Jewish society that if you had a blemish, blind, or you were crippled, or you had some ailment that was permanent, they saw that as something unwanted, and they wouldn't let you into the temple courts. And so this poor man has not only sat outside the temple courts all these years, he's never been permitted into the presence of God. But today, God is doing something new. And just like when Jesus said, the shepherd, or the sheep will know the shepherd's voice, this man was waiting to hear the voice of the shepherd. It's as if the Holy Spirit had already gone ahead and awoken his heart. And in doing so, Peter and John are there at the right time asking to be used by God. And it's through the power of Jesus that this man is then restored to a full, complete representation of a holy man before God. Therefore, he can enter the temple and be in the holiness of God. Now, this is very reminiscent of the same idea of salvation. You know, you and I are blemished creatures and we need the power of God to come into our lives to heal and restore and make us whole so that we can stand before a holy God. And Jesus does just that. By inviting Christ into our lives, the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God takes up residence inside of us and we become a holy set apart being that can enter into the holy of holies, the place where God dwells. Now, I love the image of this temple because this also ties us back into Acts 
where Jesus says, as I send you forth into the world, powered by the Holy Spirit to share the good news of the resurrection of Christ in your life, I want you to go to Jerusalem, which represents the temple, Judea and Samaria, which represents this outer court, and then the ends of the earth, which represents the court of the Gentiles. You can see how this image plays perfectly into the idea of how we're to go forth into the world. Now, after Christ's death, this temple curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the place where the priest would minister was ripped in two top to bottom, meaning that the Spirit of God no longer is separated from humanity. And it goes further into Acts chapter 2 where the Holy Spirit now takes up his dwelling, the presence of God in our lives. So my friends, as you go forth this week, I want you to think intently about what it means to be a vessel of the living God. What does it mean to be made whole and pure, holy and set apart by God, and why we need to be that way? It's nothing we can do, but it is something that Jesus does, and he promises that. And Acts 3 is a great example of how he fulfills that in this man's life. Hey, if you haven't already, go ahead and grab your elements. I'd love to celebrate communion with you today. I like to take this bread, in my case, it's going to be a cookie today. And I want to give thanks to God for all that he has done. And I think of Jesus and this amazing offering, this way in which you and I can now enter through these gates into the court where Christ is and the presence of God is so that he dwells inside of us. We can't do that without Christ's sacrifice. And so this represents his body uh, broken for us. So go ahead and take your element, give thanks to God and taste and see that God is good. In the same way, we take the cup and we give thanks to God for all that he has done for us. And we remember that Jesus' blood was poured out, just like in this court of the Israelites where the priests would be. The sacrifices would be offered daily. Well, Christ offered the ultimate sacrifice for you and for me. We no longer wait for sacrifices. We have the ultimate sacrifice. And just like when the priests would come in and take that sheep and bring it to the altar, they would cut its throat and begin to bleed the sheep. As they do that, they pray over the sheep and the person who brought the sheep places their hand on that sheep's head and their sin transfers from them to the sheep. At the end, the priest says these amazing words, it is finished. In the same way, when Christ is on the cross giving his life for you and I, he's taking all the sins of the world upon himself. It's as if each one of us placed our hand on him and transferred our sin to him. And the most beautiful part is at the very end when he says, it is finished. My friends, drink this cup in the renewing of our spirit, our hearts and our minds as we recognize it is finished in Jesus Christ. That concludes our time together in God's word for today. But before we go, I just wanna share a couple updates of what's going on in our church community. Our board has been meeting weekly uh, online uh, for about an hour and a half, talking through the different pieces and parts that need to happen in this church community in order for us to reopen safely. And we are very challenged um, trying to find out information. So we sent a survey out and many of you filled it out, but we still could use some more information, particularly from families with children. If you could go to our website, uh, it'll be in the linked in this video below, but just click on that link. It'll take two minutes of your time to fill out that survey to better give us information on how we can serve this community to the best of our ability. In the meantime, 
uh, through much prayer and honestly a, a saddened heart. Um, we are going to not open the church just yet. We are going to probably not open it until September. But what we are going to do is we're going to begin planning some summer services outside. There'll be one in July and two in August. There'll be more details to follow, but look forward for that information and in joining us, uh, perhaps at Geller Park, where we can celebrate together, uh, safely apart, um, the glory of Christ in our lives. So my friends, please continue to look at our newsletter and our website for upcoming uh, information. And don't forget, there'll be more videos coming out throughout the week, uh, videos further going in depth on the scripture, as well as teaching us different skills like how to journal. So my friends, go in the peace of Christ, and I look forward to what God is going to do next in our lives.